Welcome to this week's edition of Tokenized, your weekly dive into the rich vein of crypto developments flowing through India and Southeast Asia. This week, I'm trying something new as part of the ongoing experiments at the Ken. You can listen to an audio version of Tokenized, and I'd love to hear what you think about it. You might just hear a bird or two in the background, and given how things are going, they might just be looking to get in on the action. Either way, do write to me with your thoughts at tokenized at the rate the-ken.com and tell me what you think about this experiment. With that, let's get started. Last week, we looked at how privately issued stablecoins and state-backed central bank digital currencies could help solve some of the pain points in cross-border payments. While stablecoins have an early lead right now, a well-coordinated and at-scale rollout of CBDCs could end up eating their lunch. In this issue, we turn our attention to why investing in crypto assets has become very popular in Indonesia, so much so that a body of Islamic clerics feels that it needs to weigh in. We'll also break down decentralized finance and explain how an ever-increasing amount of non-fungible tokens keeps changing hands. Let's jump right in. Indonesians pick crypto over stocks. Crypto assets have gained so much popularity in Indonesia that a body of Islamic clerics has felt obligated to voice its opinion. Spoiler alert, they aren't big fans. The Indonesian Ulema Council, MUI, has ruled that using cryptocurrencies as a means of payment is unlawful in Islam. The trading of cryptocurrencies as a commodity is also considered unlawful. At least that's what Asrun Niam Soleh, the MUI's head of religious decrees, told Reuters. He likened crypto trading to gambling because it doesn't meet Islamic norms that require goods to have a physical form, a clear value, and a known exact amount. The decree comes even as Indonesian crypto investments grow by leaps and bounds with the number of crypto buyers exceeding participants in the local stock market, according to data released by the Indonesian Trade Ministry. The country's 6.5 million crypto investors now outnumber the 5.37 million retail investors registered with the Indonesian Stock Exchange. But who are these crypto buyers? A survey of over 21,000 of them by Indonesian crypto exchange Tokenomi found that typical crypto investors in the country are men in their mid to late 20s who are likely to have completed or be in the process of completing a university degree. While eye-popping returns might certainly be one reason for people being drawn to this asset class, non-fungible token-enabled gaming like Axie Infinity has inspired people to look for more income from gaming opportunities. Indra, a local retail investor and business operator, told the Ken. He added that people tend to be attracted towards crypto because it can offer a higher yield than traditional banking products and because they can be influenced by seeing the success of, quote, influencers, family, or friends. The increasing popularity of such investments has also prompted Indonesian market regulators to put up guardrails around such activity. The commodities market regulator, for instance, has plans to set up a clearing and depository institution to hold crypto assets for safekeeping. This institution will also have the ability to freeze funds in case defaults occur. The Indonesian Central Bank has also been researching a central bank digital currency, CBDC, of its own. 
and has in the past restricted the use of crypto assets as a payment tool. Even though the decree by the Muslim clerics made headlines for obvious reasons, Indra feels it is just noise and that it's unlikely to impact the overall investing climate. Since the body isn't a governmental authority, its dictate also doesn't hold any legal water. While investing in crypto may bring a certain upside for retail investors, it also speaks to how the absence of a buzzy, tech-listing-heavy stock market can drive away potential participants. The Indonesian stock market has a bunch of age-old firms, like state-owned petrochemical companies and banks, which aren't really that lucrative an option for an average investor. Proud Limpong Pan, chief marketing officer of crypto exchange Zipmex, told the Ken. Zipmex operates in Thailand, Singapore, Indonesia, and Australia. Certain instances of insider trading on the Indonesian bourses have also eroded public confidence, she added. A lack of trust might be one part of the equation determining why Indonesian investors are gravitating towards crypto. But another driving factor could also be the popularization of such investments on social media. Indonesia has the fourth largest population of social media users worldwide, a little shy of about 200 million. And in many ways, interest in crypto markets in developing countries has shown how similar chatter on social media for investors across geographies can lead to a hive mind-like effect, especially when lucrative stocks such as Apple, Google, or Facebook are tucked away on the other side of the world. Besides taxes, the benefits of crypto assets for the Indonesian economy are uncertain. If the price of Bitcoin keeps rising, investors' money will go there and not the real sector, economist Iko Listianto told the Jakarta Post. For now, a combination of higher returns, lucrative income opportunities in NFT gaming, and a lackluster stock market have driven Indonesians toward crypto. How long they stay there, and how that impacts the country's financial sector, might just end up being a function of how sustainable the current crypto bull run is and what sort of companies spawn in the Indonesian economy. With local crypto exchange Toko Crypto reportedly weighing an IPO, life might just come full circle if crypto activity helps to enliven the stock market once again. With that, let's turn to a few other things that happened in crypto over the past few days. Crispy Bites India seems to be inching closer to regulating crypto and the government might be mulling restrictions on misleading crypto advertisements. The Indian Central Bank, on the other hand, has reiterated its concerns about crypto threatening the country's macroeconomic and financial stability, as reported by TechCrunch and Bloomberg Quint. Entracker reports that Coinswitch Kuber, an Indian crypto exchange that recently became a unicorn, is in talks to acquire mutual fund platform Symbol. Bloomberg wrote about how decentralized finance may appear to be exploding in popularity, but the boom is slower than it seems according to a team at J.P. Morgan. The bank's report also suggests that regulations could be a significant hurdle for the evolving sector. The Financial Times wrote about how Twitter has set up a dedicated team to explore building decentralized applications and other blockchain-related offerings. The world's biggest crypto exchange has over 3,000 employees and handles over $76 billion in volume a day, but it has no headquarters, reports the Wall Street Journal. Universal. The world's largest music company has created a band consisting of four virtual apes from the Bored Ape Yacht Club NFTs. Called Kingship, the band will perform and participate in video games and virtual reality applications. Bloomberg has this quirky story. The Securities and Exchange Board of India has approved the Invesco CoinShares Global Blockchain ETF Fund of Funds, 
That's a mouthful, yes. But basically, the exchange-traded instrument offers Indian investors exposure to firms like Canadian Bitcoin miner Bitfarms and crypto exchange Coinbase, reports Mint. Back of the envelope. This is where I pick a term from today's newsletter and try to unpack it as simply as possible. Today's term is decentralized finance. Basically, decentralized finance is a collective term for crypto projects that hope to remove intermediaries, like a bank or an exchange, from financial services and replace them with software maintained by, quote, a community of developers. Popularity of DeFi The total value locked or the amount deposited with DeFi projects has jumped from $12 billion in November 2020 to over $111 billion this year, according to data compiled by DeFi Pulse. Use cases for DeFi While largely limited to crypto-adjacent applications, lending and exchange-related operations like market-making have emerged as prominent use cases for DeFi. Caveat Since all software is human work, it contains flaws. In the absence of proper audits and guardrails, DeFi applications can be attacked and drained of deposited money. The Wild West nature of such applications can also enable fraudulent actors to execute scams like rug pulls and vanish with all the loot. What caught my eye this week? This section looks at something that I found particularly interesting this week. While reading an article by the Financial Times, I was really impressed by how quickly non-fungible tokens keep growing. Encrypted tokens representing ownership of art, memorabilia and digital sports trading cards have racked up monthly trading volumes of upwards of $2.3 billion, according to data from the blog. Items from projects like Axie Infinity, CryptoPunks, and Bored Ape Yacht Club worth $989 million changed hands over the last 30 days. And sports collectible platform NBA Top Shot clocked $39 million in trading volume over the same period. In many ways, NFTs offer a way to monetize things that could otherwise suffer from a lack of liquidity. Selling art usually requires involving third-party agents who can charge a hefty fee and trading cards have been out of vogue for a while. Unique encrypted tokens, on the other hand, allow both the creators and buyers to get in on the action and hold something they like, or just flip it for a quick profit. Digitization combined with blockchains also offers the added advantage of improved tradability and somewhat longer existence. Each time a top shot changes hands, there's a royalty back to the athlete. Even after a player passes away, their likeness will create value for their estate, which is something they don't necessarily get every time a physical card gets resold. Roham Gharigoslu, chief executive at Dapper Labs, told the Financial Times. While one does wonder how long trading cards, albeit digital, can remain exciting, for now, as long as the music plays, people do seem happy to dance along. Bonus. In case you've ever wondered what Karl Marx would have thought about NFTs, I'll admit that I have, I recommend you read through this thread linked in the newsletter. TLDR, when capital runs out of tangible property to privatize, it turns its eye towards enclosing and seeking rent from the otherwise free stuff. That's all for this week's edition. I'll see you again next week. If you like this issue of Tokenized, please do share it using the link in the newsletter. Or you can use the easy share buttons in the email. Take care.